So, man, I can't wait to get started on this. This is our listener podcast topic bracket and we've been tweeting about those we picked 16 of the best topics i think we had like close to 100 submissions in terms of ho- of topics so uh ben Dull, our director of basketball research put those together then i curated them into a 16 team bracket or 16 topic bracket and then we did the first run last week this was the quarterfinal but one of those is going to be the four out of the 16 that we're going to do and so this was selected it was a very difficult win for this topic in this quarterfinal defeated the topic of which players are over or underrated by analytics by about a 10 percent margin so i think that is our closest matchup so far in the poll and so what we're going to talk about here is each team's best and worst decision over the last five years the dunked on era basically we have done we have seen five off seasons and five trade trade deadlines since this podcast started in april of 2015 so our format is we're going to do the east today we'll do the west at some point later this week most likely so we'll take four minutes to talk about each team danny and i have each independently selected a best and worst decision so four minutes on the clock here mr larue for the atlanta hawks oh, oh I, I guess what before i start that did you have any kind of criteria that you were using yeah, I had a couple things that I considered. Um, one is this is organizational. So in certain situations, like hiring a GM or firing a GM or holding on could matter, you know, so it's not just like that person. And then the other part was I tried to lean towards, especially for best and worst decision singular, I tried to focus on things that were, I felt were incorrect at the time, not just things that soured because yeah. that, you know, like there, there, there are obviously examples of things that happened with the best intention and then there were unforeseen consequences. And and it also can be one-sided versus the other. There, there will be one in, in particular here where, you know, like it came up. And so that was generally where I leaned in terms of, you know, like, and, and that was why I actually went back. I enjoyed doing some digging on this, though it did take some time. On, and I went through some of my old regrades from like, because I have this voluminous, you know, from the prep we do for podcasts. And so I went through like regrades and grades and stuff and just kind of saw, okay, well, this thing I hated at the time, I still hate it. So that's, that's stronger than you traded for player X and player X got hurt the day you like two days later. And so that didn't work out. Like, and that's why for me, worst decision versus didn't work out is kind of the clarification. Yeah, for me, I tried to do a combination of the impact of the decision, either positive or negative, and how smart or how dumb it was. And yeah, certainly you get bonus points when everyone knew at the time it wasn't a good decision, and then it also didn't work out. But I tried to focus on these things that really changed the franchise. I mean, over these last five off seasons, I mean, just going back and just seeing some of these players, like I saw transactors going back and like, a trade of Brian Roberts from the Miami yep. Heat to the Blazers. I was well, just and, like, and wow. also that almost all of these teams, I think there were four or five exceptions, have changed their decision maker during this time period. So you think about how five yeah. years can can change things around. And um, and one of those teams is the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, yeah. let me uh, let, let me put four minutes on the clock here, though, because sure. we're uh, we'll never get through this otherwise. If we're <laughs> we can hey, spend, I mean we we, we could do, we could just do like two here. teams a day, and then we just have fifteen episodes of content. <laughs> Yeah, well, we have to get to the, all the other ones in this bracket. I mean, there's some great topics that have already That's been eliminated true. in this bracket. And, and who knows? Maybe we'll get to some of those, too. It's like they're, Just because something was eliminated doesn't mean we'll never get to it. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Four minutes. Your best decision for the Atlanta Hawks in the last five years is? I didn't love a lot of their decisions, so this is a more tepid one than most. <laughs> 
um, I went with the uh, a recent one. The when they tra- when Travis Schlenk traded Alan Crabb for Jeff Teague and Travion Graham, a smallish move, but it solved one of Schlenk's biggest mistakes, which was not having a backup point guard. And the fact that they were able to do it without giving up any sort of asset, they just traded him for just traded for Alan Crabb, who wasn't doing anything for them. Is I thought that was just it was an unambiguously positive move, and I and that was what made me what made me think of it. This is interesting. I think you and I are going to have very different philosophies on this. And if that if that augurs, and yeah, that's a good move to me though. Just not impactful enough to be in the running. They didn't have personally. a lot of impactful positive moves for me. So yeah. So so this is the one that I came up with, and this happened in successive off seasons, but it was kind of really one decision overall, and that was moving on from Al Horford and Paul Millsap, not offering those guys who were the foundation of that sixty win team in 2015, not offering those guys big contracts trying to keep the band together uh, and just trying to move into a new era of hockey basketball and you can i thought about i thought about that but the challenge for me is al horford and paul Millsap were both still good on their next contracts and so and it's not like the hawks got so bad that they really built up the war chest for now like yeah they probably wouldn't have gotten trey young but outside of that it's not like the hawks are this deep young team right now well i mean they got john collins they got i mean i think they the idea that freed them to move on from dennis Schroeder as well it freed them to move into asset collection mode i mean they've had a lot of draft picks for a while here they've got this salary cap space coming up now i mean i think we can argue about whether they've done the best possible job there or not uh, but uh, i think that just that decision in and of itself to move on that team was not going to be any even you know a team that was going to be fighting for home court those guys are getting old they didn't want a part of those contracts so that, that's why i went with um, those any others that you considered just briefly to list them off the mellow shooter trade i thought yeah. that that worked out really well for the hawks purposes uh the being a facilitator and getting a first for Jamal Crawford in that uh, that was the Gallinari trade um, and they also got a first for Kyle Korver in 2017 which was I, I thought a nice piece of yeah. business although that later became two seconds but they're Cleveland seconds so yeah they'll be pretty good uh, worst decision for these guys oh boy I had I had some candidates here um, I think for this one we can talk about the candidates and then pick our choices so here were, here what I would say would be the top the top nominees um, giving Mike Budenholzer personnel power that was in June 2015 so it's about as early as we can get I I labeled that bike Budenholzer. The Luca, the Luca Trey trade, which is fascinating because Trey Young has worked out well for them, but Luca is already an MVP candidate, so that's to me a different thing. It's worth discussing. The 2019 draft night trade, which we've lampooned a bunch of times, where they gave up a bunch of stuff to move up to four to take DeAndre Hunter. Uh, yeah. They took on Jeremy Lin for nothing, which was one of those. What was a ba- obviously bad contract? They didn't get any assets. Yeah. And then the Dwight Howard trade. And this was when they gave away Dwight Howard. They traded Dwight Howard in yeah. 31. They also signed Dwight Howard. They also signed Dwight Howard. <laughs> they they. Traded away Dwight Howard in the 31st overall pick for Marco Bellinelli, Miles Plumley, and 41. And um, so let's, yeah. let's just work through some of those. Um, yeah, I would also add just not getting any backup players whatsoever in the summer of 2019. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a problem too. I had that. I had that on my Parker list too. Contract, had that on my list. You, you could throw that in there. I although I ultimately, I mean, and again, we're gonna be a little short on time here, but I went for trading Luca for Trey Young. Even now, even with Trey Young being a good player, even you know maybe Cameron Reddish will become a starter. Even if you assume that he becomes a starter, and Trey Young is you know a third team All NBA point guard for his career, Luca Doncic just had the best age twenty season that any player has ever had. <laughs> 
And, and so just the ultimate magnitude of that, uh, just in terms of everything that they've done that could have changed the direction of their franchise for the next 15 years, that was the biggest one to me. I'm going to switch to that. I had the Dwight Howard the Dwight Howard trade just because I hated it so much at the time because they basically traded for a guy whose contract was worse for Dwight Howard, who was also Miles Plumlee just sucks. Um, and so, but but you're right. Luca Trey is more important. So that's, that's, that's worth having there. Yeah. Uh, drafting John Collins in the late teens was another... Oh yeah. Good one. Oh yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't list all my positives. That was the, one of them. Yeah. No. They've. I mean, they've had so many just really weird decisions that were. I mean, they're like the Jeremy Lin, the Jabari Party. They're like just completely inexplicable moves by Schlank. But he also has had some scouting wins as well. He's a. Uh, he's tough to evaluate. Okay. Uh, the Boston Celtics best decision four minutes on the clock for them, please. Danny Ainge betting on his board, trading the number one overall pick for number three and Sacramento's 2019 first, even though that Sacramento pick ended up not being as good as, as well, that was, it was the, the Lakings pick, remember? the Lakings pick. Yeah. And then it ended up being not the Lakers part of it because the Lakers kept that pick and yeah, becoming it was protected the Kings pick. two to five for the Lakers part. And then it was protected for everything except number one for the Sacramento part. Yeah. And then Sacramento, um, th- that was the year that they they rebounded a little bit, and that pick was uh, so it didn't work out. That I believe yeah. became the Romeo Lang that became Romeo Langford. But Jason Tatum, not only did Jason Tatum work out better than Marco Fultz, and I think some of that goes to the fate luck part of it as before. But Tatum was such a is such a wonderful fit for what Boston was doing, and that's why for me that was number one. Is that Ainge read it completely correctly, and it ended up strengthening their war chest, got them the player they wanted, and they got a real asset for it. Yeah, and. At the time, I think it was a really good decision to get the Lakings pick, but just for that to be number 14... Was bad luck. uh, Like, yeah, I mean, that was... For, to not be higher than that in either of the two years and that was that was pretty crazy and yeah that's the one that i went with as well i didn't really think that any others were particularly close i mean jake crowder's they had other ones they had other ones that would have been on other teams like the sure. recruiting al horford the kai so the kai retrade i thought when i was going back through transactions it had two big swings the first big swing was when the stuff they sent to cleveland ended up being so much worse so isaiah jake crowder and the brooklyn 2018 first that was the first that got a lot worse um became yeah. colin sexton but then Kyrie leaving the celtics you know that made it less good for boston than it would have been before um marcus smart second contract drafting jalen brown drafting you know obviously tatum is included in the in that one um my but full credit to Dange. this is a big part there are only a couple of gms where i could say this where i thought the real challenge was a worse decision and what i ended oh, up absolutely. Go- what i ended up going with was uh drafting gerson yabusele 16th and you could argue also picking up that i think that was the third year <laughs> team option when he was so obviously not an nba player and boston was like basically was really scrambling for space so yabusele like that that would be not even near the bottom of a lot of teams list but it was the worst thing i could think of yeah their 2016 draft yabusele and zizic that wasn't a good draft but that that was pretty rough i ultimately i didn't disagree with the decision it's also worth noting on the on the faults for tatum like we do we thought that was a bad decision and and we were i think a lot of people thought that was a bad decision marco faults people thought he used to be really good like that wasn't necessarily a move that a lot of people were like yeah the celtics won this so that took some balls I, that that one is really good and then uh another good one uh would be drafting jalen brown at number three oh yeah absolutely 16 and that and, and ojale at 37 price. yeah um but the worst decision to me had to be signing gordon hayward i know it seemed like a no-brainer to do that at the time he had multiple max offers but when you sign a guy to a max contract and basically got no production from him for you know i mean they got maybe like you know bench player production from him the second year and no production from him 
the first year yeah i realized that wasn't necessarily the decision but in terms of the decision that worked out the worst and especially because there really aren't that many other bad ones i i had to go with that one i i gave it an honorable mention just because it was how it happened how it turned badly was not a misevaluation of the player or like that he had an injury risk that they tolerated it was just a freak injury and so i get what you're saying i think it was the most destructive i guess you could call it decision for them but I didn't feel comfortable giving that giving that the award. Yeah. One other one I want to mention, I, I had forgotten about this trade, even though I wrote a lot about it at the time, when they traded Gerald Wallace for David Lee. And that that actually helped the Warriors in a couple different capacities, and David Lee wasn't the same oh, guy that anymore. Was terrible. You're right. So yeah, that, that was yeah. another that was Lee another made like five million more than him or something, something like that. that. Yeah, and so no it helped it helped open things up for the Warriors. And and also drafting RJ Hunter twenty eight, that really didn't work out. But again, these are much less bad decisions than a lot of the other teams on this list. Um we can jump to did did we run through the four minutes or yeah we are, we are done i just okay. uh silence silence sure. the alarm for our listeners ears yeah uh, although we do have that more pleasant uh, alarm yeah. now let's let's take a quick break and then we'll talk on uh, net okay i will start here the best decision for the brooklyn nets i didn't find one that was very clear so I'm i clumped to make one what did you say oh yeah let's go through yours i i clumped it to make one ah uh, okay all right so the trade for D'Angelo Russell, also taking on Timofey Mozgov. They moved Brook Lopez in that deal. Um, I actually feel worse about that trade. I was thinking about it when putting this together. I feel worse about that trade from the Nets' perspective now than I did before. Huh. Well, I mean, Russell did get the some excitement back in the franchise. They make the playoffs in part because of him. If they don't make the playoffs, do they get Kyrie and KD? Maybe not. Um few others that i had 2015 offseason stretching darren williams and just deciding that hey even if we don't have our draft picks we're just gonna punt on these next few years anyway and even though they couldn't really tank just because they weren't trying and they were trying to develop they actually built up a playoff team based on just out of nothing and like taking out bad contracts and stuff like that um so i thought that was a really good decision that they got out of the tax that year um feel free to comment it briefly yeah. on any of these of course uh hiring sean marks and hiring kenny atkinson yep uh and then uh making the alan crab trade to clear space for Kyrie and kd and uh signing spencer dinwiddie off the scrappy yeah didn't the uh, ones that i came up with though i i had all those the ones that i'll add the joe harris salvage um timofey mozgov remember he was basically kind of seemed like he might be heading towards the edges of the league when they signed him and and yeah that that was important trading mozgov for dwight howard because dwight howard had a more favorable contract and yeah. agreed to a buyout uh dumping jeremy lynn for nothing i brought yeah. that up uh, in the although in the section. end mozgov would have just been off yeah. their books oh uh, oh that's anyway, coming up in the orlando been, section um yeah but it but it would not have been in time for them to use 2019 exactly space. um but yeah. so my my number one move i grouped it together but it was the machinations that allowed them to get both K, kd and kyrie irving this i'm specifying on the june 30th part of this not all the alan crab trade and everything else just to be able to to maneuver the d'angelo russell part of this to get kyrie to get kyrie and to fit the De, to fit deandre jordan in where the players didn't have to sacrifice as much much money i thought that that being able not not recruiting them and all that because i think that's a little bit unfair to, to say oh that was a great decision to recruit katie and kyrie irving but it took a lot of work to make all that happen without sacrificing f- uh talent and i thought i thought sean marks did a really good job yeah that was good i think i'll go with uh yeah just all, all the machinations around the the katie and kyrie signing but there i mean the, it's it makes sense that we can't pick just one move because it took just so many. It was a mosaic. A yeah. Now, worst decision. Oh, I have I, one I for think this. You can, you can group it together just into the overall fascination with Alan Crabb. <laughs> First 
an offer sheet <laughs> for him of what was it? Four years, seventy-five million. I think so. And then, uh, then thank God it gets matched. And then they trade for him uh, and trade away Andrew Nicholson, but they trade for him a, a year later just for no reason. Like, he was older. He wasn't a superstar player. They weren't ready to well, be so good. What, what, so I specifically chose Nicholson for Crab because we had more information at that point. And yeah, yeah, so yeah, that it, was even worse than the. I mean, you're you're past the feeding frenzy in the summer of twenty. Exactly, like, and and Andrew Nicholson was a was a terrible contract. A terrible contract they acquired. That was another one of my nominees. Was they traded Boyan Bogdanovich and Chris McCullough for Nicholson, Thornton, and a late first round pick. Though they did use that first to draft Jared Allen, uh, but th- I don't think there was a guarantee that Jared Allen was going to be there. Remember, Jared Allen was drafted in the 20s. Um, yeah, yeah, so, 22nd overall. Yeah, yeah. so I, no, I, I, thought, I thought that was a good move, though. I mean, that was taking on... I, uh, I, I thought losing Boyan Bogdanovich's restricted rights was, I mean, something that Washington yeah. ended up doing, too. I like, But I like Bogdanovich. He wasn't any good at that point, though. I he thought really that he was intriguing. That yeah. Um, well, and I, 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 you saw more than I did. I love having restricted rights, because like, because especially for older guys, because it just gives you some leverage, and I think the offers wouldn't have really... Yeah. Who knows? I, I don't think the Pacers, well, especially the Pacers, don't really go after restricted free agents. I don't think the offers really would have been there for him. Um, um, we honorable mentions to the offer sheets for Tyler Johnson and Otto Porter. Oh, yeah. Which... Thank God for them, those got matched. Yeah, think about all the things that would have been different if those hadn't gotten matched. Yeah, now, if Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb are on the team already, they probably don't sign the one for Porter, so it's not like they would have had all three of those guys. But still, it was... uh, And maybe they knew it was going to get matched, and they just wanted to mess with these other teams so they wouldn't have space later, whatever. Uh, But, I mean, you put pen to paper on that offer sheet, though, it's not good. Charlotte Hornets. One of the harder bests of the of the list of the uh the rich cho mitch kupchak yeah. combined era I, I mean i i found one that i thought was easily the best okay because I'll, there you, was so little competition i'll let, I'll let you st- start then uh summer of 2015 trading noah vonley for nick batum oh yeah that's the oh yeah that's a oh so yeah that yeah that does qualify within the range i hadn't considered it but you're right it does um yeah so that will bump my number one my number one was the aforementioned dwight howard trade where they got off of miles Plumley and got dwight howard who was a better player on on a similarly bad contract um also the lynn reclamation in 2015 acquiring courtney lee in 2016 drafting Devonte Graham, and then I, I I'm still fine with the Marvin Williams contract. I mean, I, I would say that's you know it wasn't it wasn't an amazing move, but when you consider the other ones here, that would be that'll be it. Um, yeah, I mean the Vonley for Batum, Batum now of course it has that miserable contract that might come up in about 30 seconds here. But uh, at that point, he was still finishing up a contract. He was a starter. He was a little undervalued. He, he'd had an injury hit year in 14-15 in Portland. Portland seemed like they were rebuilding. They wanted to pick up Vonley, but Vonley never did anything. And the Hornets did a great job of punting on him and still getting value after he hadn't done anything. Yeah, and that, that's the big difference. They didn't trade the pick yeah. that became Vonley. They traded Vonley after a year. And Batum was a solid starter. They won 48 games that year. They had the best season basically in franchise history since the 90s. Um, worst decision. Oh, baby. We've got some options. Um, I'll, I'll throw out my, what I think are my best. So when they acquired Miles Plumley, it was Haas and Hibbert for Plumley. Also, that's an amazing trade in, in the modern, like with where things went. Um, keeping yeah. keeping Kemba Walker for too long, basically letting him go in free agency and oh, lowballing yeah. him with the offer. Um, Malik Monk over Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo. Nikola Batum's contract. And what I chose, passing on Shea Gilgis Alexander to take to take Miles Bridges. Yeah, um, they actually technically drafted, drafted Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
either. Um, Dwight for yeah, Mozgov, which was which was a trade I really didn't like. Um, and then, but my number one, and I went back and found Zach Lowe's reporting from I think it was a year after the fact. Zach Lowe's reporting is that the Celtics offered for the number nine pick that became they they chose Frank Kaminsky. His reporting is that they offered sixteen. 15, which they were getting in a contingency deal, which didn't happen, an unprotected future Brooklyn pick, and a first rounder from either the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves for number nine. And instead of that, the Hornets drafted Frank Kaminsky. I think I just heard you almost like banging on your desk at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> but but uh, that was the one that I picked too. And uh, I think there's very little argument. I, I mean, and it's crazy that. that it's not like the Batum contract or some of these other ones, but it's like they some for some reason reportedly Boston offered them a mint and they decided Frank Kaminsky is better than a mint he was uh yeah what Michael Jordan's fascination is with like white American big men I will just never well, understand I, I think you could expand it beyond that because of Adam Morrison it's like it, it, yeah it's just it, it's just like like Michael did you not learn from the fact that like Dave Corzine and Will Purdue weren't any good <laughs> like, like you're just it, playing with Ed Neely was really <laughs> that exciting that you just you just trying to recreate that like those guys are like backup bigs like a co- like accomplished college players who didn't have a theory in the NBA yeah um yeah and you know maybe michael is running away from the ghost of kwame brown this whole time but um okay i have a decision for the bulls that i think that once i tell it to you you will think it is the best but that you are not going to pick right now so why don't you go ahead and try to come up with yours there's not too many options for the bulls here in the last uh no they're not um drafting kobe white uh acquiring spencer dinwiddie that was a a a crazy they gave they gave a bear style was that right Cam Cam Bearstow. Oh, yeah. Um, Bloggable probably wrote like 47 articles about him. The Jimmy Butler extension, I thought, worked out pretty well for them. Um, Acquiring Justin Holiday. Well, well, so let's talk about Butler real quick. It it wasn't an extension. They went into restricted free free agency. agency. But they 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 gave him the, the, yeah, the full. The the maximum qualifying offer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that, but then they actually ended up agreeing. So that would basically have been a full five-year max contract. Remember, Butler didn't want that because everyone knew the cap was going up the next year. So he didn't want a lot in but so they ended up agreeing with him on a four plus one and that actually became a big part of why he was uh, eventually traded because he wasn't under contract for as long so maybe you could say they should have just left that maximum qualifying offer out there played hardball and forced him to sign it but it seemed like a fair compromise at the time um and you know i don't know that he had any other offer that he would have signed would have had to have been for at least three years elsewhere uh that's the other consequence of the maximum qualifying offer, which i believe that is the only one ever submitted that i can recall that sounds right to me i mean there were threats many other times so i think that's the only time it ever actually happened yeah so i mean i think my real one would probably be that one like actually using the maximum qualifying offer uh and forcing him to sign for at least four years at an amount lower than he wanted to but that uh that that's pretty piddling i mean they really don't have much i mean some of the the guys they got as part of their young core now were pretty obvious picks at the time marketing maybe they was drafted a little bit higher but he also hasn't turned out that great so yeah i, I didn't have him in my best got. moves list i had wendell carter um, as a possibility in kobe white yeah uh daniel gafford yep. in the second round he might work out okay uh and and trading derrick rose maybe you could say that that was just something that needed to happen but then they immediately turned around and signed Dwayne wade and rajon rondo instead with the <laughs> oh oh that's coming up they had um but no you you did not in fact mention the one that i think of as the best decision that you will think is the best decision for the chicago Bulls. i'm going to read this verbatim from the real gm transaction sheet the chicago bulls withdrew their qualifying offer to make blank an unrestricted free agent joffrey laverne yes <laughs> yes <laughs> 
No, I'm still going with Spencer, uh, Cameron Barristow for Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I do. I will say that. Well, no, no. I'll, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save that. There is, there is, a, there is something coming up. Yeah. For, okay. for those of you who uh, miss King Joffrey uh, and have no idea what we're talking about, I mean, this is what summer of 2017, I think, at this point. Um, that uh, Danny was not a fan of. Um, yeah, Joffrey Laverne, okay. my most hated player of the Dunk Don era. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just run through my list here real quickly. This is because this is gonna take a while. <laughs> the Cameron Payne trade, Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and a high would end up becoming a high second round pick to the Thunder for Joffrey Laverne, Anthony Morrow, and Cameron Payne. And Gibson, McDermott, that second round pick all had value. Cameron Payne did not. Uh, they failed to trade Pau Gasol at the 2016 trade deadline, despite interest from the Kings waving Spencer Dinwiddie, Cristiano Felicio, four years, 28 million signing Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade and trading two seconds away to get off of uh, Jose Calderon who they just gotten for the Knicks in the Derrick Rose trade hiring Fred Hoiberg hiring Jim Boylan trading away Jimmy Butler trading for Otto Porter Cristiano Felicio's contract um I, I did mention that oh you did um matching yes. on Zach yes. Levine. So, sorry I know, I know it's easy to get lost in in that uh that dirty dirty laundry list right um there. matching on Zach Levine yeah um, that one I think is it's working hard. out okay that's a bad but, decision. um and then signed the Jabari Parker contract it wasn't the worst yeah that's the, yeah. that's one too yeah, yeah. um so my worst. What was did you ultimately pick? The Wade Rondo double signing in 2016. Not only, I, and I so I went back and read my um my my draft. So my my immediate regrade and my my re my, my immediate offseason grade and my regrade both had that offseason as an F. And what I wrote, which ended up being so funny, is I'm like they may have just alienated their star for no good reason, and that is a part of what happened with Jimmy Butler. Now parts of it might have happened anyway, but they brought in players who just gummed up the works, didn't allow Jimmy didn't let them build the team around Jimmy Butler which it seemed like they had just opened the door for by trading Derrick Rose and then that kind of that put them firmly on the treadmill but at the back end of the treadmill for for years yeah and the Butler trade would have to be up there too I mean they basically punted on at least two playoff seasons to be terrible and still not have a clear future of getting back to the playoffs and remember that this sort of paralleling in part what the Pelicans did with the Lakers guys they did they acquired players that were like so Zach Levine had already been in the league a couple years so they weren't getting the value of him on a rookie scale contract they were getting the they were he was I think he had one year for them before he before he hit restricted for agency so like yeah, a year a year and a smidge had coming off a torn ACL, torn ACL. On that year. um and so yeah, so my that, that deal by the way the terms real quickly Butler plus number 16 which later became Justin Patton, Justin Patton and so it didn't matter but, but it could have been uh, someone good right I mean it was worth something at the time for Markinen, Chris Dunn and torn ACL Levine I mean Levine to me has turned out way better than you could have thought and Agreed. still you know they're not they're not doing much um, and so what I, did you pick ultimately? Wade, the Wade Rondo uh, combo oh. combo platter, yeah. and I I nearly went with Taj McDermott in a second for Laverne Payne and Morrow. That's like that was the least defensible thing. Like Wade Rondo had a theory, but it was I just think it was so much more destructive to like the fabric of the team. Yeah, the theory was the Chicago black holes. <laughs> that yeah. was that was what we, I called them at the time because their their lack of spacing. Um, I'll go with the Butler trade. Okay, but the, there's no shortage. Okay. Speaking of no shortage, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the Cavs are a little bit one of the challenges of for for them of this is that a lot of the best moves that Cleveland made during the LeBron second LeBron era happened before this. 
so they don't count. So, you know, getting LeBron back, trading trading number one for Kevin Love, all those sorts of things, those don't those aren't within the range. Um, so for me, that left a couple of things. Um, I liked that they got a first round pick for the George Hill, Del, uh, Del Vidova Henson deal. You know, like getting a first round pick in that era was, was a little bit challenging. Drafting Kevin Porter Jr. They got a first from Houston in the Brandon Knight salary dump. Remember, Houston didn't just give up their first for good players. They also gave them up to save Tillman for 10 money. Um, and then I have I have a top two. Um, I really wanted to put my number one as trading Anderson Verjao, partially because I am of the belief that trading Anderson Verjao helped ensure that they would win a championship because they traded him. That led to, I believe, was Portland cutting Verjao, the Warriors signing him. But my number one is firing David Blatt and hiring Tyron Lue. Yeah, the other one that you didn't mention would be signing Richard Jefferson in the summer of 2015, who looked totally washed up and yeah. yet was, that was that's an good absolute key member. I mean, one of their five best players when Kevin Love just wasn't really available for most of those finals, and he was they're actually able to switch and shut down the Warriors towards the end. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, the Verishaw Fry trade also Fry was really good uh, for them. He didn't play as well against the Warriors, but he was great the next two years in the playoffs in the East, and also was huge for their team chemistry as everyone says but yeah I, I think the blatt firing would probably have to be it uh for me as well and very interesting that of all of these despite it only being two years of of this era uh all of these were made by one david griffin just about and that's why the worst decision that i thought that they made which beget many of these other bad decisions was allowing david griffin to leave in the summer of 2017 i had that as my number two um and it's it's totally fair to have it number one i was torn um some of the other i mean because we have plenty here the Kyrie Irving trade, when you think about what Cleveland ended up getting for it, Isaiah Thomas, who was hurt at the time, Jay Crowder, who did, did it, that was the most surprising part of it. And then the Brooklyn the Brooklyn pick hollowed out a little bit because the Nets were actually better that year. Hiring John Beeline, that 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 went that went a little sluggishly, you know. Hiring a hiring a sixty nine year old college coach who had never coached in the NBA before to a no, long no, no, come on, don't be too hard on me. Sixty seven, sixty seven. Sorry. Um, the Larry Nance extension, the Jetty Osman extension, J.R. Smith's twenty sixteen contract. I didn't love the the one before that in fifteen was fine. Um. We'll see what happens with Sexton and Garland. Um, but my number one was the Kevin Love extension. We recently chose it as, I believe both of us chose it as the second or third worst contract in the league. Um, and it was totally yeah. unnecessary. Like that, the Griff, the Griff thing is totally fine. I don't know. I, I think I'm confident he would have done a better job than Kobe Altman did just because I think yeah. he had more confidence. I, I mean, to me, they could have avoided like 10 other bad moves by not making that bad move. It's possible. I, I mean, some of this is, you know, Dan, I think, I think Dan Gilbert, my instinct is that he was pushing, pushing hard to keep Kevin Love as like the one who was I mean, going to stay. Supposedly, Griff was like pretty close to getting Paul George for Kyrie at that point. Oh, uh, or, or Paul, maybe it was Paul George for Kevin Love. I can't, I can't remember. But supposedly, they were like right in on, on potentially getting Paul George. Um, I'm still going. So, I'm I mean, so it's one, it's and, between those two. I think it's six one half dozen the other. Um, it, but if you were going to argue yeah. that he wouldn't have signed the Kevin Love extension, then maybe you're right. Well, I, I think I would argue that, and also like ultimately the Kevin Love didn't matter. You know, like they were going to be screwed for a long time regardless of whether they. Yeah, but they had to make moves to like not. duck the luxury tax, and it, it's also possible. I mean, what what could change this if we ever revisit this in the next couple of years is if they can get out of it at some point between now and then, then that will help. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, they also could have just traded Love that that offseason. Oh yeah. Um, but but if a few others that we can throw in there too, uh, elevating Kobe Altman instead of finding a real GM 
and then extending Kobe Altman after his terrible being record, the so. only front office person that that David Griffin or sorry not that that uh Dan Gilbert has ever given a second contract to to have it be Kobe Altman who is one of their worst not the absolute worst but one of them um also one here that's honorable mention is trading a first for Kyle Korver yep which uh, you know I he helped them at times but he just couldn't play defensively against Golden State like they should have been more myopically focused on Golden State well, and, and, they, and they knew it at the time memo. yeah it wasn't it wasn't yeah. like that was that was anything shocking yeah that's that's in the 16 17 season they already have kitty at that point yeah uh detroit this uh this best decision portion won't be very long no uh my choice was pretty easy uh honorable mentions to drafting seku dumbuya 15th and acquiring marcus morris and reggie bullock in uh in the trade i believe that yeah with phoenix um and also the Derek rose signing which i think has worked out well for them and getting a second year that could produce some value when we have an offseason but my number one by a pretty clear margin trading Ersan Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings to the Orlando Magic for Tobias Harris. Oof. Yeah, that's pretty good. When did that happen? That happened in this era. Yeah, that was in, I think that was in June of 2015. I spent some quality time on the GM page as a basketball reference putting this together. I actually enjoyed it after I figured out how to do it. I should have, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Ilyasova and Jennings for Tobias Harris. That worked, that worked. Not only did it work out because Tobias Harris was a far better player than the two guys they traded, they traded for him, but also because Tobias Harris ended up being, uh, ended up being, I, I never mind. I was going to say he ended up being value, being a, he was a part of the Blake Griffin trade, but the Blake Griffin trade is what I chose as the single worst decision of the last five years. So we'll argue about whether that was a good uh, thing or about that. Yeah. Can, can I do, I mean, the only other ones that I had were signing Derek Rose and claiming Christian Wood. Both of those are relatively low-level moves. I actually had their worst move as Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell in the draft. Yeah, I considered that. That's my number two. Um, but here's the, here are the terms of the Blake Griffin trade. Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, and a 2018 first-round pick. And Avery and uh, Avery Bradley for also I, I had uh, for Blake Griffin, Bryce Johnson, and Willie Reed. Remember, Blake Griffin was already on a contract that you and I lampooned as being negative value that he was a big injury risk. And while he had a better first season with Detroit than we anticipated, ended up being largely vindicated on that. But they gave up so much value on that trade. I mean, Tobias Harris, yeah, Boban Marjanovic, and a first round pick. It's not even like oh, well, they were they the Clippers got off it. No, that and that ended up being key to their the Clippers' success getting. Kawhi and everything else absolutely and it did lead to the hilarity though of Bryce Johnson and Willie Reed being at the same introductory press conference as Blake Griffin which was just completely ridiculous that they would they would do it that way it's like yeah Bryce Johnson is gonna be waived in about two seconds here I think they actually might have ended up trading him to Memphis who then waived him I want to say uh and Willie Reed did not was, was not long for the team either it's like they're just sitting up here next to Blake Griffin as all the questions are of course for for Blake Griffin um, um, some other ones, drafting Henry Ellenson. Yes! <laughs> Dra- drafting Stanley Johnson. I mean, Ellen, Johnson, I actually thought was a good pick at the time because he at least could fit in, in theory. Ellenson was one that was just a, a pick that was DOA. I don't know what it is about drafting these white American power forwards with the 18th pick in the draft, as we'll get to. Uh, and then Reggie Jackson's five-year, $80 million contract that they basically got like one decent year out of in 15, 16. Oh, and there's one more. The other side of the Cam Bearstow for Spencer Dinwiddie trade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dinwiddie just didn't look like Spencer Dinwiddie at that time. Right. You know, I mean, he really, he didn't show anything. That's one like of those, like, later consequences rather yeah. than, yeah. So that that wasn't even like, oh, and hiring Ed Stefanski instead of going after, a, you know, getting a better GM. Yeah, I don't know that Stefanski has done a terrible job so far. Eh. He just, he's been pretty locked in. Like, I, I don't know what... Yeah, well, I guess that's true. I like the I like the the Drummond the Drummond trade well enough. Yeah, he drafted uh, Dumbuya too. Yeah, 
That though, uh, I mean, that that yeah. for me was you know, I, it's kind. Of, it, this will come up when like drafting Ben Simmons number one is one of the things I mentioned for season. Like they made clearly the right decision, but yeah. at least they made it, the right decision. Um, Pacers four minutes on the clock for them. I think it's very clearly trading Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis. So that's interesting. I there's there's an argument for that i mean when but when you and when you consider some of the other star transactions that are out there oladipo you know was under contract because of the extension sam presti agreed to with him and sabonis has obviously worked out well i actually and I, it's funny because you like him better than i do i went with a more recent vintage and that's the tj warren trade because tj warren they acquired him as if he were a negative asset they got they got a pick from the phoenix suns and tj warren is a completely useful starter at a position of intense value around the league and he's under contract for for this year and next that like that is a a clear to me like a clear like solid triple let's say like it's not it's not a home run and with Paul George I mean Oladipo depend I mean for Oladipo it's also like how do you square what he's going to be and remember that he's going to be a free agent after next season so uh, that was my number two but I I thought the TJ Warren trade was was like just such a clear win that I wanted to put it over it yeah I mean Oladipo and Sabonis you could still argue that they should have gotten more given the values of those players at the time and what Paul George got traded for like two years later yeah yeah though those were unique circumstances of course and George was under contract for longer at that time and was probably actually better at that time too but but anyway uh no I mean I just thought that that one was just totally remade the franchise in a way that just getting a good starter but still just you know a a starter for nothing yeah and some of Uh, it is just our difference in criteria too sure uh Uh, other ones the signing of boyan bogdanovich which i also didn't like at the time that was pretty good two years 20 million second year non-guaranteed and then uh drafting miles turner at number 11 although that was kind of the obvious pick there at that point but uh one other one to mention they traded the 20th overall pick which became karis levert for thaddeus young who ended up being an important part of some successful team yeah i thought that one was kind of you know not amazing in either direction I, I thought th- I thought that really helped them. So yeah, I mean, compared to trading the number two, number twenty-two overall pick for Marco Bellinelli, yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> um, worst decision. I thought this one was easy. Signing Monte. Yes. Out to a four-year, $44 million contract. It ended up really only being three years, 33, but he still was waived and stretched after two years. It just made no sense at all to to sign him. It, it hurt their defensive identity. They, uh, he, you know, he, he wasn't cla- he clashed He clashed on and off the court with their two best players and, didn't, and, and, and took the ball away from their two best players. And originally I was way more skeptical of the stretch. That was uh, like, uh, but then that stretch, stretch ended up clearing the space to to sign Bojan Bogdanovic which you and I both didn't love at the time but then it worked out reasonably well for them so then the stretch looks better with the passage of time the other one I want to mention drafting TJ Leaf 18th overall I don't know what it is they also drafted EK Anubogu in that same draft they drafted two Bruins neither of which worked out well um I also thought the George Hill for Jeff Teague trade wasn't a good trade that was enough that was during the like Larry Bird yay points era Mm -hmm. of transactions any other ones Miami Oh uh, yeah, no, no, that, that's all I got. Unless you, uh, uh, yeah, but those two 18th overalls in 2016 and 2017, uh, Henry Ellenson and TJ Leaf. That's uh, that that's pretty impressive. It it is. Uh, Miami. I mean, you could. I didn't pick this, but like one of their best things was just the 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 Sioux Falls machine, just generating value from that. But oh, yeah. but my my number one was I I put it kind of together because I couldn't separate out which one I thought was better. They both involved Josh Richardson drafting Josh Richardson at 40th overall and then. Creating, basically doing the first 
Josh Richardson extension. That is the maximum allowable estimated average player salary one, which worked out really well for them. You know, that that we said that was one of the best veteran contracts in the entire league. And it was totally fine from Josh Richardson's perspective too, but from a team building, it ended up being really important. But I had a lot of other nominees. Yeah, the other two ones that I had was signing Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn. That's the Sioux Falls machine on the last day of the 2019 regular season to long-term minimum contracts. Uh, they got Joe Johnson as a buyout guy in 2016. And he actually ended up uh, helping them win a playoff series and get to a game seven in, in the second round and maybe the worst playoff series of the last five years oh, against Lord. the Raptors in 2016. That was not fun. But what, what I ended up picking was 2015, they signed Dwayne Wade to only a one-year contract and then they let him leave in 2016 free agency for the Bulls. Yeah, I think there, there's a there's a fair a fair fair decision there. A couple others that I want to mention. Um, Rick, the assault. Oh, the, the BAM draft. Yes. Too. Yeah, the drafting Bam fourteenth, the Hassan Whiteside reclamation. I didn't love the later contract they gave him, but basically pulling him out of the scrap heap and turning I, him. I think I think they brought him back. I think fourteenth. That was during the fourteen fifteen I, season, though. That I thought it was fifteen, but um, I I could I could have just yeah. mar- marked the transactions wrong. And then also their twenty twenty deadline deal. They traded away Winslow, Waiters, and James Johnson for Iguodala, Crowder, and Solomon Hill. Great deal, but yeah, I it, totally totally fine to 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 do the letting way to leave do you want to explain some of the rationale for that yeah just because he wasn't good anymore he they would have just been paying him for past performance and maybe that wasn't fair to him but if you're trying to win basketball games and guess what he ended up coming back there and retiring as a member of the heat anyway and so they didn't like get any negative guff uh, for that in the end so um worst decision what was what was your number one yours was josh Josh richardson Richardson. yeah Yeah. um i'd say probably i'd say probably the bam drafting bam at 14 would probably be my pick though that's a very good choice too um my worst decision I just grouped all of the summer of 2017 together. I mean, because it was a theory. It was basically they struck out on Gordon Hayward. So they decided, you know, Ellsberg's genius with the salary cap. They did all of this working with bonuses and, and, and incentives to get it so that they could squeeze everything into sign Dion Waiters, James Johnson, Kelly Olenek. And they also traded Josh McRoberts for AJ Hammonds. And all of that put together just put so much suck on their books for very little return that was up there for me as well waiters in particular because he was already injured he had had this ankle surgery he didn't even yeah. play basically that the was the year. 30 it was 30 it was 10 and 32 32 and 10 uh i think it was 10 and 31 oh yeah you're right 10 and 30 oh no 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 i'm sorry 11 and 30 and 30 and 11 that's what it was yeah <laughs> yeah the, the last uh that was their record in the second half of that 16 17 season which inspired riley to re-sign everybody um but but this is uh, another one of these 2015 turned down the same offer from the Celtics that they made to the Hornets because the Celtics were trying to get Justice Winslow with that deal and that he turned it down and drafted Justice Winslow instead. Fair choice. Um, I, I, two other smaller ones that I just want to mention because the Heat makes so few bad moves. That's, uh, um, Matching on Tyler Johnson ended up being a mistake. Yep. And dumping Shabazz Napier, which many other teams have done, but remember, they kind of drafted him to appease LeBron and then that didn't work out super well. And then I thought he was still like a potentially decent player. And I think... I'm trying to remember where they sent him. Was that Portland or was that Orlando? No, I think no, it was Orlando. First they sent him to Orlando and then Orlando. No, because Orlando. Send him for a top 55 protected. That's right. Yeah. I, I thought he looked bad, though, at that point. I, I didn't think that that was a bad decision in the moment, I, I must say. But uh, okay. Bucks here. Yes. Uh, I have two potential candidates here, but uh, I have one. Good ones. Uh, well, I, I'm trying to. You could go in one of two directions with this. I'm curious what you're going to pick. Are you going to be negative or are you going to be positive? I'm going to be positive. Hi, hi, because first, because hiring Mike Budenholzer, like they could have fired Jason Kidd and hired a shittier coach. 
but instead they hired exactly the right coach. And so for me, the hiring was the better decision. Um, and so, yeah, hiring Mike Budenholzer to me was far and away number one. Some of the other ones, uh, trading away Miles Plumley <laughs> for, for Haas and Hibbert, drafting yeah. Malcolm Brogdon 36th, signing Brooke Lopez in 2018, Chris Middleton in 2015. I thought that contract worked out well for them. Um, their side of the George Hill trade, I thought that worked out very well for the Bucks. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams for Tony Snell, signing Christian Wood, even though they cut Christian Wood. And uh, I, I, even though it ended up not working out as well as I hoped, the seconds for Miritich, I thought the process part of that was pretty good. I think you, uh, Brooke Lopez was up there for me too. I did go with hiring Mike Budenholzer in the end, but uh, they traded Eric Bledsoe for what ended up being the number thirty pick in the draft. Oh, that's a really good call. I didn't have that. In, and yeah, that was and that was in the window, right? That was in that was in sixteen. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was twenty seventeen. Seventeen. I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh worst decision i i think the Plumley contract has got to be it right nope i went with a different one and i had forgotten how much i hated this trade at the time and it's only gotten worse the grievous vasquez trade so they traded oh that's within the, the window they traded right. norm powell and the 2017 first round pick that became og Ananobi for grievous vasquez and i mean that's yeah. just that's just disastrous like, I mean, he was never worth a first-round pick to begin with. Norman Powell ended up working. I, remember, I think that was Norman Powell as a second-round pick. Like, yeah, yeah, he was like number forty-six. I can't remember whether we knew that it was Powell at the time. Or I think, I think, I think Masai made the pick. Yeah, um, I, I think it was just um, consummated after. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I have a couple. I have a couple others. Jet- General Grievous was like going into the last year of his contract. He ended up being hurt that year too. He wasn't even that good. Yeah, that that was. Yeah, so I ended up not picking Miles Plumlee for basically anything, which is hilarious because it was among the worst for everything. Um, yeah, Plumlee. That was. uh, Do you have the terms of that? that, By the way, four years, fifty-two million (laughs) in restricted free agency. But that was, and they didn't even agree to it until after like all the money had really dried up. It seemed like one of those things where maybe they had agreed before the fireworks really got going and they just signed it afterwards because of like his low cap hold. I would love to to go back and listen to the podcast we did at the time on that because it was so much later and I remember we were dumbfounded. Um, Yeah, you said Del Vadova and John Henson contracts as well. Um, Yeah, uh, Rashad Vaughn, 17th. You could argue Thon Maker, 10th. Uh, dumping. Well, but Josh, Jeff Schwartz really made that decision, though. You can't hold it against the organization. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dumping Jared Dudley, um, giving Tony, the Tony Snell contract didn't work out. And then remember, they, they, they I had these kind of together. They paid Tony Snell so much that then they had to trade the 30 pick, which became Kevin Porter, to duck the tax by trading Tony Snell. Um, letting Malcolm yeah. Brogdon go could end up being uh, a really bad. We'll have to see how that works out. Um, that's going to take some time. Um, yeah, a lot, man, the Bucks have made, they've been all over the map, but uh, they also have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Which, which did not happen in the window. Um, one more, signing Greg Monroe in the oh, yeah. 2015. They are lucky that David Falk was like, hey, let's go for uh, four years, or let's go for three years. Um, it ended up being a two plus one, and of course he opted in, but he was out of the league by the end of that that. Uh, uh, that contract uh although he did he did have like one little turn in the 2018 playoffs in game two where he actually like caused them to lose probably like posting them up <laughs> uh oh boy let's uh let's take a quick break here and then we'll uh we'll, we'll get to this team a pregnant pause before uh the new york Knicks. okay best decision i think it's pretty obvious here right 
Kristaps Porzingis taking him fourth overall. Yep. yep, 2015 draft, and wasn't necessarily even the obvious pick there for, for a lot of people. No, there's a there's a good break. I mean, he got booed. He got booed by the New York fans. There's a good breakdown in uh, in your own Wetzman's tank to the top about the the Sixers part of that decision, not taking him at three, but it kind of gets into how Porzingis wasn't really a known commodity at the time, and like medical records and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, some of the other nominees for the Knicks: um, trading Marcus Morris for a first round pick this year, drafting Mitchell Robinson, 36th overall, yeah. trading Carmelo Anthony for Ennis Kanter, Doug McDermott, and the second round pick that became Mitchell yeah. Robinson. A, a deal that I actually didn't think they got enough for him at the time, but I was way wrong about that. The, just to get off of him was an accomplishment. It, it, it really was. But uh, do you have any other nominees? There aren't many. No, I think that's about it. We have worst nominees decision? for worst, though. I, I mean, I've got three main ones here, but I'm let's, sure let's you'll hear be reminding me as well. Trading Chris Stapps Porzingis is starting to look pretty bad here. Dennis Smith was terrible. They didn't get the guys they wanted in 2019. Free agency, Dallas is really good, so the two Dallas picks that they got. And, and the Hardaway contract wasn't the albatross they thought it was. Yeah, uh, uh, although the, he never would have become not the albatross <laughs> Fair enough. on that team, so it wouldn't have mattered. Um Signing Joakim Noah, four years, $72 million in the summer of 2016. And uh, retaining Steve Mills, who then hired Scott Perry, instead of finding a real GM after Phil Jackson left. I have one other kind of high-end one to add there, and that was when they first traded Tim Hardaway Jr., they traded him for Jerry and Grant. Didn't work out too well. Um, you could also add in kind of... And then they compounded their mistake with the by overpaid, $70 million offer yeah, sheet. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, and that's the Hardaway for Jerry and Grant is actually... No, I'm going to go with Noah number one. Um, uh, there was some fate in that, but I mean, that was it was just more... Mo- like, Hardaway for Grant was it, wasn't that crazy. Some other just fun ones yeah. to mention. Frank, no... Well, uh, Noah might be the worst contract from the summer of 2016 and created the uh, created the uh the noah trade clause too <laughs> yeah, that's right. for a contract for those who weren't around then that's for a contract that was so bad it couldn't be traded rather than having a no trade clause um drafting nokina eighth kevin knox ninth rj barrett third we'll see how all those work out uh the 20 i wrote down also 2019 offseason other than marcus morris um you could throw some other things and i think bullock worked out reasonably well and and alfred Payne, but it was more the idea that they didn't take on money to get assets and signed worse players yeah, yeah. The, the 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 new york black holes took over from the chicago black holes um but because it was the chicago blackhawks and the chicago black holes doesn't doesn't quite as well um orlando magic best decision one of the not a ton of these no not a ton uh what i chose was they're one of the few teams that their summer of 2016 contracts actually worked out pretty well they signed dj augustine and evan fournier and they also signed biombo though yeah so i just wrote dj and fournier so <laughs> let's let's pretend that biombo didn't happen yeah yeah biombo had the largest annual salary of any of those guys yeah um also drafting john isaac uh number six overall the aaron gordon extension i'm i, I liked it more at the time and then when he's kind of stalled a little bit i didn't like it as much um and then i added biombo for mozgov because they ended up getting salary relief on it like they're they, no. were, they were both bad contracts but somehow they got out of the money and charlotte didn't even though biombo would provided value i would rather have just gotten out of mozgov's contract by far yeah that was that was actually brilliant uh you didn't mention one that i had firing rob hennigan yeah I guess that's true. Um, like, and just getting. Well, like, also, some Steve Clifford was a reasonable hire for coach. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's if hiring Clifford actually too. Yeah, I think is to uh, help make them a playoff that, team. That's got to be up there. Um, um, so what was your what was your number one? Uh, firing Rob Henning. Yeah, he's going to come up 
right now. Worst decision. As you, you brought up the the Paul George Oladipo Sabonis trade, it is worth remembering that how Oklahoma City got those players was Orlando trading Victor Oladipo, Demontis, the pick that became Sabonis, and Ersan Ilyasova for one for for an expiring contract of Serge Ibaka. One of the most ill-advised trades of the last five years because he didn't help make them better by enough, and ended up being yeah. that all they got out of it was like a later first round pick from Toronto and Terrence Ross, and it was just a disaster. I mean, that, that's arbitrage, right? Victor Oladipo uh, and uh, the number 11 pick for uh, the number 25 pick and Terrence Ross. Like they basically, it's just like, you know. And it, it, it takes, it takes, it takes something for me to not pick any of their other just horrendous dumps. Like the the basically giving up player giving up on young players too early for nothing, but the the Ibaka trade is the worst. Yeah, Mo Harkless, Tobias Harris. Uh, you got yeah, Tobias. Yeah, that one was crazy. I had remembered that one until you you mentioned it in the Pistons one. Uh, drafting Mario Hazonia number five in 2015. Still my we'll heart. see how drafting. Mo Bamba turns out in 2018, but Wendell Carter, I think, clearly would have been a better choice there. The Vooch-Ross contracts in 19. Yeah. Okay, this one is just absolutely amazing to me, Danny, that I struggled to find a best decision for the Sixers, and they're one of the best teams in basketball right now. Like, that, to me, shows you, like, how well they were set up for things with Sam Hinkie, uh, like, where he left them. So, what did you have for their best decision? I had a few. Um, giving TJ McConnell the hinky special, he's one of the only ones that counts within the window. Covington was before. Um, so that, yes. you know, so for those who don't remember, that is one fully guaranteed year and then three additional non-guaranteed slash team option seasons that worked out really well for them. Um, the Covington renegotiation and extension, the balloon payment yep. because they had the cap space because they had the money to spend. Drafting Landry Shamit, 16th, sorry, 26th overall. Signing JJ Redick. Um, I, I included one in the early stages when I didn't have anything in the good part. I put drafting Ben Simmons number one which was the correct decision um but what I went with as my number one overall and by a decent margin was ending up with Josh Richardson out of the Jimmy Butler sign and trade like Jimmy Butler didn't want to be there anymore and they were able to get I I I, I don't know about that little like if they would have offered him the contract he wanted be who knows he could have stayed yeah it seemed to me like he didn't want to be there I I don't know the answer to that but it seemed like he was very focused on it Hollins and I were debating this the other day actually but um yeah, uh, but but so you were saying though that, that just to still get something to get Josh him. Richardson, who's a good player who made sense with yeah. that uh, that kind of unusual team that they were developing. I thought that he helped them a lot and really put it to put it to another level. And he's cost controlled for this season and next, and then has a player option which he will almost certainly decline. Uh, another one you might say is uh, drafting Matisse Thybul. They did have to trade up for him, yeah. which was kind of a bummer. And, they just didn't. And have you could include security. acquiring Jimmy Butler here, depending on how you feel about it. I mean, it was yes, a worth- that was actually my number one. Yeah, Covington. Uh, Charich. For Sharich and Covington. Bayless, the second and it just I mean, and who knows? They came very close to beating Toronto, and they, they needed someone like him. I thought that was very clear. So, uh, who could run a pick and roll and get shots at the oh, end of the game. Also, some so. weird piece of trivia. I had forgotten that, that Justin Patton was traded with Jimmy Butler twice. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Um, worst decision for me. So, well, hold on. But one more good one. Uh, drafting Rashawn Holmes, number 37. Sure. Yeah, I had dumping Rashawn Holmes and, and one of my names, even though I wasn't as high on him uh, as you were then and now. So the for me the there were three real contenders for the for the worst decision here. 
Um, and I liked that they were one from each of the key decision makers during the time period. One from Hinky was drafting Jaleel Okafor third overall. Remember, that's the pick right before Chris Dupps Porzingis. Then from Colangelo, you have the Markel Fultz trade. So that's number one. They're getting number one, giving up the, the that was the Lakings pick. The Lakings, the Lakings pick, pick and, and number, number three, three, which became, which was uh, Jason Tatum. And then the Tobias Harris trade of the Elton Brand vintage, which was to Ryan people, Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Mascala, and two first round picks for Tobias Harris, Boban, and Mike Scott. So I had a totally different one from any of those. Okay. And that's uh, hiring the Colangelo. That results in the resignation of Sam Hinkie, who was stripped of power. I mean, all, all of that is the same. Essentially, they didn't technically fire Sam Hinkie, but they replaced Sam Hinkie with the Colangelos. Yeah, call, the, the Colangelos. I'm going to change mine to the coup. I think that's a better overall choice. It's yeah. sort of along the lines of what you did with David Griffin. That's that that's a good. The coup is a better choice. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think and and uh, they did not have an impressive <laughs> record. Um, well, and because could, so, could so the best decision be firing Brian Colangelo after uh, Twittergate. No, I, I mean. It, no, because they ended up they ended up hiring uh, they ended up giving power to Brett Brown and then Elton Brand and the so originally so uh, before I you you kind of changed my mind I went with the Tobias Harris trade though the Fultz one was obviously more disastrous as things turned out because Jason Tatum is is a very good player and Markel Fultz is yeah. less good but yeah. be, the the theory of Fultz was good we liked that oh trade yeah and time, and I mean least, and and know? the problem that Fultz had was to me completely unforeseeable at the time I mean that he would just like get the yips forget how to shoot all all what how what whatever into the scapula imbalance whatever it was um but the Tobias Harris trade was terrible in terms of process because if they liked Tobias Harris so much they could have just signed him in free agency when they already were going to have cap space yeah they did get the benefit of him having a slightly lower cap hold than his max contract but and but giving him a fifth year was not beneficial you know like I, I think that fifth year is going to be bad for them and they gave up so much they gave up Shamit who was working out well and two first round picks for him and I mean it I I despise that trade for the Sixers from 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 the thought process involved to the results okay we got two more here the Toronto Raptors I mean this list of best decisions and there are very few bad decisions too yeah. I and mean, this is like uh, all right, I'm going to just run them down here. I mean, the, the Kawhi trade has obviously got to be number one, I think. Yeah, DeRozan, uh, DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first-round pick for not only Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. But, I mean, very close behind it is drafting Pascal Siakam 27th overall in 2016. That's not my number two. My number two is is deciding to hire Nick Nurse and fire Dwayne Casey. I don't yeah. I don't think, I, I don't know what happens if they, if they don't make the coaching change. Like I, I But I don't think they win the championship. Yeah, now Casey was fired before the decision to hire nurse was made remember they flirted with Budenholzer yeah so I don't know if those you, yeah I wrote hire, I wrote hiring Nick Nurse that was those. that was the one that yeah. I said because I mean I think yeah. he might be the best coach in the league yeah a few other really good ones the Grievous Vasquez trade yeah yeah I, I, I had forgotten about that one uh signing Fred Van Vliet and then re-signing him to a good contract Trading for Marcus Soule, re-signing Kyle Lowry in the summer of 2017 to a three-year, $90 million deal, and then extending him for another year. Drafting OG Ananobi, the trade for Serge Ibaka that we just talked about at number 25 and Terrence Ross for him. Uh, this one didn't really last very much. But trading two second rounders, their own second rounders that were going to be in the 50s for P.J. Tucker, that was a pretty damn good trade. Yeah, it absolutely was. Th that's all my nominees. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any other ones. Uh, to, so from that. the three teams that I had the most that, that I would say had the 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 hardest time doing a worst thing were the Celtics. 
the Raptors, and then, well, I guess the Heat, they had the summer of 2017, but they had very few other bad moves. Yeah. And not the those are, you could argue, the three best general managers in the conference, and those teams have been largely competitive over this five-year span, and oftentimes during that GM's tenure, if it was predated that. I don't think that I don't think any of those things are coincidence. I had I had really two here. One was letting PJ Tucker go, like they acquired him. I, w- I wish they could have resigned him, but I mean things worked out. And then the Stanley Johnson contract, which was my number one, just because I didn't think Stanley Johnson was good. They gave him a player option. It was far from catastrophic, but I still didn't like it. Did you mention McCaw? No. Yeah, I guess that could be another nominee. I wouldn't have picked it over Stanley Johnson, but yeah, that's not great. But I mean, think about um, if those are yeah. the worst things you do in a five-year period. That's incredible. No, that's, that's incredible. pretty good. Um, that's 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 the worst stuff the Wizards did too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one more though. Did you mention uh, signing Damari Carroll to four years, sixty million? I did not. Yeah, that one. That one's got to be. I, I actually didn't mind that one that much at the time, but he was. Uh, yeah, they, end, they ended up having to salary dump him. Realized. They gave up a yeah. first-round pick to dump him and get back Justin Hamilton. Okay, I have a very easy best decision for the Washington Wizards. I don't think anything else is particularly close. Firing Ernie Grunfeld? Man, there's a reason we've been doing this podcast together for five years. I So I didn't pick that because they waited too long to do it, and so I held that against Leonsis. Like they, I, I mean, I was arguing that Grunfeld should have gotten fired shit since the Mike Miller-Ricky Rubio trade. <laughs> Um, and so I, I didn't do that. What I chose was claiming Thomas Bryant worked out reasonably well. I didn't love the contract they gave him and deciding that he was your center, that he was your center. But Wait, how, how is that? How is that better than trading for Davis Bertans for nothing? Oh, I forgot about Bertans. Nope, that would be my number one. Um, a couple, yeah, a couple great, other, go that a route. couple other good ones. Uh, they moved up to get Kelly Oubre. They th- that was uh, yep. the, and ended up being the right decision. And then to be a facilitator in the Anthony Davis trade, they got Mo Wagner, Isaac Bongo. We'll see how that part works out in a second. That was pretty good. Um, the only other one that I could come up with was doing a five-year deal, no options for Bradley Beal. Yeah, for the max yeah i'm fine with that and, i'm fine with that too yeah and also holding off on extending him so that they could get more cap space in the summer of 2016 now what they did with the cap space wasn't too smart but they did at least hold off on extending him and create that flexibility and okay so now there are some there are some real <laughs> candidates for worst decision here i had five that i think are worth some serious mention um andrew nicholson four years 26 million the same summer jan mahimi four years 64 million trading kelly Ubre and austin rivers for trevor reza who then left holding on to bradley beal for too long i thought that they could have gotten an absolute yep. haul for him in the summer of 2019 instead of doing the extension and everything else and signing john wall to a supermax extension yeah, I went with uh, not trading Beal. Uh, it was ultimately what I went I with. I went with the, John Wall. John, yeah, I mean, the John Wall, you know, he, summer of 2017, he's coming off an all-NBA season. Um, you know, it was just kind of what you do at that time. Like, I, I don't know that that many people were saying, like, this is just such a stupid idea. I mean, we probably were to some extent. I, I, I can't remember whether we were just like, hey, you know what? You kind of do this. You got to so do that, it. That was, but, that was, you know, 20, that was 2017? Well. Yeah, so that's coming off. They're losing game seven to the Celtics. Here. I will I will pull up okay I will read verbatim my 20 my uh my off season okay so my grade at the time for the off season um wait was it uh so I wrote securing a long-term agreement is wall with Wallace big but not sure how much credit they should get for it considering how little they did to inspire it and then after the regrade I gave it I gave, I said it was a massive albatross and worse than the pers- worse than losing him at either the 2018 deadline or the off season so so yeah a little yeah. thing changed during during that during that yeah okay so so at the time though I really yeah. think it was kind of like yeah this might not work out well but you know you got to keep him happy he's on the team I mean, and, and also people just 
because of John Wall, I, now I mean, we understand. I, I mean, I understood, but I think a lot of people didn't understand. And, and if we're using and if we're be. using hindsight, which we are, we should also mention as it turned out, matching on Otto Porter that didn't work out super well. Yeah, yeah, I, I had that on my list too. Um, this was fun though, man. I, I'm loving these listener topics, and uh, we're gonna do the West at some point later this week. Really enjoyed this one. Uh, anything to talk about before we go here? Second half of my writing with Kelly Eco uh, on the Rockets free agent signings and all that threw out some ideas uh, of potential potential players and, and holes that they could fill and everything like that. So that that's out at The Athletic, theathletic.com slash cap space. And you can listen to the the podcast they did on Real Jam Radio with your own Weitzman on Tanky to the Top went in, went in a lot of different directions on kind of like what what hinky you know like speculating on what he might have done and how all of it happened we've rehashed burner gate which was fun uh so you can listen to that too all right uh don't forget too about the covid daily news getting a lot of awesome reviews uh, on that uh, with ben taylor we we talked about this really crazy statistics in particular out of a uh, ohio prison where there are all these prisoners who have tested positive but are supposedly asymptomatic right now and and what to make of that we had the usual news roundup so again i i would really encourage you guys to listen to that i I realize you might have covid fatigue but this is to help alleviate that you just listen to this pod and then you don't have to be glued to cable news uh, or whatever else and i think we're the best place for information if you're really trying to figure out hey where is this going when is this going to end uh etc so uh we will talk to you all tomorrow night till then